gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumping Jay, and I'm joined by Top Rope Tommy, Mr. Tommy Fierro. Top Rope, how you doing? <laughs> hey, I'd rather be on top than the bottom. Oh, wait, never mind. No, hey, that's a, that's a, that's a fair point. Uh, we're talking... <laughs> Battle Royals today, so everything is over the top today, over the top rope, hence the name Top Rope Tommy. What's going on in the world of 80s wrestling? Hey, man. How are you? All right? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's been a great week here in Minnesota. The weather is good. No complaints on my end. You've had a little bit of a break from the hectic pace of your Monday night signings, but you still have a whole lot going on. Anything exciting this week taking place at the Wrestling Collector Superstore? Yes, sir. Actually, this Saturday, July 24th, we're going to have a special signing that last week you labeled Beauties and the Beast. It's going to be Dan the Beast Severin, Tanil Dashwood, and Summer Ray. They're all going to be at the Wrestling Collector on Route 23 in Stockholm, New Jersey from 2 to 5 p.m., this Saturday. So if you live anywhere in the New Jersey area, come out and meet uh, the former Emma Summer Ray and Dan the Beast Severin, all going to be here signing autographs and taking pictures from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. this Saturday at the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey. And then uh, this coming Monday is the return. People are jonesing for it. I know you're jonesing for it. After a almost month hiatus, the return of the Monday Night Virtual this Monday night with the man of a thousand holds, Dean Malenko. He'll be joining us this Monday night on Monday Night Virtual. You can watch it live on Facebook.com backslash 80s Wrestling Picks, P-I-C-S. And you can also go to our website, 80swrestlingcon.com. You'll select which photo you'd like of Dean Malenko and you can watch him sign it live for you this Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. We'll give you a shout-out, and then afterwards we will ship the photo back out to you. And we have a big, big, big August coming up, Jay. We have the Godfather, Papa Shango, will be with us on Monday, August the 2nd. Uh, Mark Merrow. The Wild Man will be with us on August the 16th on a Monday. And then we're going to do the big one, Jay. Virtual Mania 2. It's going to be on Sunday, a special Sunday one like the first one. Sunday, August 22nd, an all-day affair, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to have blocks of different autograph sessions throughout the day. It's going to be labeled Attitude. And Billy Gunn will kick off Virtual Mania 2 at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on August 22nd. And then from 12 noon to 3 p.m., former World Heavyweight Champion Mark Henry will be on uh, the, the special Virtual Mania 2 signing from 12 to 3 p.m. And then rounding out the day will be the Headbangers and D'Lo Brown from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., Virtual Mania 2. Same thing, Jay. They can go to the website, 80sWrestlingCon.com now. 
They can select their photos of Billy Gunn, Mark Henry, the Headbangers, and D'Lo Brown, and then tune in and watch them sign it live and give them a shout-out, and then we'll ship it out to them after. And again, if you if you can't watch it live, it's okay because it will be saved on our Facebook page, and you can go back and watch it later that night. So, yeah, man, big August coming up for us at the uh, uh, 80s Wrestling Con. And in-store, uh, we have August 1st at the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey, The Godfather. And the following Saturday, we have uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine on August the 7th. And then uh, I just found this out, Jay. This is another big one. On Saturday, August the 14th, Saturday, August 14th, 80s Wrestling Con, check this out, Jay, invades the New Jersey State Fair. The <laughs> 80s Wrestling Con is going to be doing 80s Wrestling Night at the Sussex County Fair on Saturday night, August 14th, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. with the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. You are going to the fair with the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase? We just, I, just, I, just, I just finalized the deal a couple of days ago, yeah. That is – imagine how much cotton candy you two can buy if you're walking <laughs> around with Ted DiBiase money. A lot. Oh, my goodness. What a summer for 80s wrestling. And I was just thinking, man, all those amazing names you just rattled off, especially for your virtual mania, too, the attitude. All those guys who played such a huge part in the Monday Night Wars, huge part of 90s and, and beyond wrestling, that's going to be a must-see uh, uh, event, and it's all day. And the coolest part is you mentioned you could go to the website to get the photos you want. You also are offering a VIP package where you could get an autograph of everybody at Virtual Mania 2 at, at a very, very nice price. And so, Tommy, I'm super excited for that event. I'm excited for everything you do, man, but you really seem to be kicking it up a notch here towards the end of summer. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, and I always appreciate all your support, Jay. And, yeah, man, the Virtual Mania, too, I'm really looking forward to, and we're going to be promoting that big time the next few weeks. We just, you know, we have so many different signings. You know, we can only post so much at one time, but now that, you know, Virtual Mania 2 is literally a month away, we got to – kick it up into high gear. So, yeah, it's going to be a big one, man. Billy Gunn, Mark Henry, the Headbangers, and D'Lo Brown, Virtual Mania 2 Attitude. It's an all-day all day event. You can look throughout the day on our Facebook page, and they'll be broadcasting, streaming all day long. So the first one was really cool. The first one, we had Jake Roberts, the Orient Express, Skinner, and Haku, same thing was an all-day affair back in March, and it was a really, really, really great day. So we're looking forward to doing this one coming up on August 22nd. But let's talk about the main event of the podcast. Last week, we covered in detail the greatest steel cage matches of the 1980s. And while we were talking about that, I believe it was me, Jay, that said, you know, doing the Battle Royals from the 80s would, would make for a really cool episode as well, and we decided to do it. So I've been looking forward to this episode, Jay, because back in the 80s, man, when you would go to the, you know, the house shows, live events, whatever you want to call it, you know, if a Battle Royal was on the card, that was a huge, huge, huge deal. That was the main event. Um, you know, you might have Hulk Hogan in one town, 
and he'd be headlining. And then on the other town, you'd have a battle royal. And that battle royal was, you know, big enough to to be, you know, the headline featured attraction. Because when you put battle royal on the marquee back in the 80s, it was a big, big deal. Especially, you know, even before WWF, you know, Andre the Giant would travel around to all the different territories back in the day and you know the the main event would be a a battle royal and andre would be the feature attraction in that battle royal and andre would never lose the battle royal so uh that was a big 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 match back then uh long before royal rumbles long before uh hell in the cells long before elimination chambers long before money in the bank or any other gimmick match uh, the Battle Royal was one of the inceptions of, of, you want to call it, gimmick matches back then. And uh, it was a huge part of our, our childhood. It was, Tommy. And you're right. When we were growing up in, in the early stages uh, of the world of wrestling that we were uh, treated to watching, there were only a few type of gimmick, ma- gimmick matches. And there were certain ones that always caught your eye. Steel Cage, definitely. But the other big one. The other specialty match, the attraction match, the Battle Royal. And fans, we loved it because it's a chance to see a large number of superstars at one time. It's nonstop action. It's, you can't take your eyes away from it because you don't want to miss a thing. You always pick the guy that you think is going to win, and then you watch him. And if he happens to get eliminated, you quickly switch to somebody else and try to pick the winner. <laughs> one of my favorite things about the battle royals growing up is at this time, at least in the world wrestling federation, throwing somebody over the top rope would get you disqualified in a one-on-one matchup, but in a battle Royal, that's how you had to win. So it felt like there was this added risk factor to it. What do you think it was about battle Royals that made them such a treat for us fans? I think just the idea of having all those superstars in the ring at one time and anything can happen in the battle Royal. You know, you would see back then, you know, good guys start, you know, uh, fighting with each other in the ring or bad guys fighting with each other in the ring against each other. And back in the eighties that, you know, you didn't, you really, 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 really never saw that. It would always be good guys versus bad guys. So when you had an opportunity to have two bad guys go at it, it, it was, it was unique. It was different. Like, uh, for example, the Royal Rumble with, with Demolition Axe picking number one and Demolition Smash picking number two or vice versa, whatever. They were the first two out there. Uh, you, you weren't accustomed to seeing bad guys fight each other or good guys fight each other. Uh, back then, you remember there was the, the wrestling uh, classic tournament and it was Ricky Steamboat against uh, Davy Boy Smith. And it was unique to see two good guys go against each other. Even at WrestleMania six, as late as 1990, seeing... Hogan and Warrior go at it, two good guys. I, I think that, for me anyway, I'm, I'm speaking for myself, that was part of the attraction for me, is seeing uh, a, a good guy and another good guy go at it, or vice versa, bad guy and bad guy, because you, were, you weren't used to seeing that back then. Did you feel the same way about that? You know, the tagline, every man for themselves, holds true in a battle royal. Like you said, you could go in and if there's two bad guys in the ring and one good guy. Yeah, you would see the bad guys kind of team up, but then it wouldn't take long before one of them, you know, gets that look in their eye, turns their head just that way, and then sneaks attack the other guy and tries to throw him over. So you're right, anything can happen. And you would see matchups inside a battle royal 
that you normally wouldn't see happen. You're absolutely right. Now, we were talking quick, last year right before we started. Oh, I'm sorry. Real, Jay, real quick, just because I'm going to forget to, to mention this, because we're going to start talking about the, the battle rolls, and I'm just going to totally forget this. So before I forget, I want to say real quickly, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. This past week at the store, I have a customer come in. As soon as he comes in, he says, I go, hey, how are you? He goes, I know that voice. He, he, he listens to the podcast. So, so thanks, man. Let's He said, I said, you know, have you listened to a lot of the episodes? Oh, I listen to all of them. I love, I love the show. I saw, thank you so much. And as he's leaving, he, he buys himself. And as he's leaving, he's at the door and he screams, Bolshevik's rule. <laughs> 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 you must have knew I was about to tell the story to have that music queued up that quickly, or you're a gigantic Bolsheviks fan to have that theme song uh, saved on your uh, PC. Which one is it? <laughs> as, as odd as it sounds, I did not know you were going to share that story. The Bolsheviks theme is one that I have saved on one of my go-to buttons in the podcast <laughs> audio clip soundboard. That's awesome. So anyway, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, I'm saying it because he he didn't say Bolshevik's rule as he's leaving. Like he just goes Bolshevik's rule. Like and there's other people in the store and like people are like he's crazy. I just started laughing hysterically. I texted I texted Jay immediately. Uh, so yeah, you got you got some you got you got a fan base out there too, jumping Jay. Listen, they're not fans of mine. I'm not a Bolshevik as much as I wish I was. I'm not main event Central Minnesota status. They were. They did headline here. And, <laughs> and apparently they have fans all over the nation, which they should. They're a solid tag team. So yeah, Jay, what I wanted to, uh, and I, right before we, we, we started recording this, I wanted to talk about an experience I had as a kid going to WWF at the Meadowlands Arena. I, I mentioned it on previous episodes. They would be almost at the Meadowlands. It was called the Brendan Byrne Arena back then in East Rutherford, New Jersey. I would go there almost every month to see WWF as a kid. And uh, on, before this episode, I remembered that I was there for a show that they had. It was on November 16th, 1987. It was a special double main event. Two battle royals. Not one, Jay. Two. One Battle Royal was all the guys that were on the roster at the current time, and they labeled this event Legends Night, and there was a Legends Battle Royal at the Meadowlands Arena that I was at, and Luthez won this Battle Royal, Jay. Now, it just came back to my memory today that I saw I was there for this, so when I I looked up, and, and I was luckily able to find the results of that show and everyone that was in that battle royal. It's mind boggling to me that I saw a lot of these legendary performers perform live because I don't have no, if, if I didn't remember, if we weren't doing this episode today, I probably never would have thought of that. And I, I, I didn't realize that I saw all these legends compete live. Let me read some of these names off there in this battle royal, Jay. It, it was won by Luth. He last eliminated Pat O'Connor. Uh, to win the battle royal. So Pat O'Connor 
and Luthez, the last two guys in the ring in 1987, with me there as a fan, as a kid watching. Other participants in this battle royal, Nick Bockwinkle, Bobo Brazil, Gino Brito, Edward Carpenter, Al Costello, The Crusher. I had no idea I saw The Crusher wrestle live as a kid until today. Dominic Danucci, Tony Gurria, Rene Goulet, Gene Kanitsky. I had no idea I saw Gene Kanitsky live or Killer Kowalski was in that battle role as well. Pedro Morales, Baron Mikel Cicluna, Arnold Skolin. I saw Arnold Skolin compete in this battle royal. Ray Stevens. I had no idea I saw Ray Stevens live until this morning. Chief Jay Strongbow and Sailor Art Thomas, all in this Legends Battle Royal, Jay. You just, you just rattled off a who's who of early WWF wrestling. Like, those are some greats that have a place in history. You think of a name like Killer Kowalski, the first thing we tend to think about is that he trained Triple H uh, and other wrestlers that we, we know and love. But the fact that you got to see these guys wrestle live. I know. It's that's crazy. incredible, man. Yeah. I, I think there's actually, there might be video footage of this Battle Royal on YouTube. I'm not 100%. There might be. I, I, if you guys want to check it out, type in on YouTube, you know, WWF Legends Battle Royal Meadowlands or something like that. I, I, I think, I don't know, I, I might be wrong, but I think there might be footage of this out there somewhere. And yeah. then there was another, yeah. There was another battle royal that night as well, Jay, too, with with the guys that were currently on the roster. And let me read this off to you. That battle royal was won by Jake the Snake Roberts. He last eliminated the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase to win the battle royal. And other people in this battle royal included Hercules, Dino Bravo. Outlaw Ron Bass, Jerry Allen, Danny Spivey, Ivan Putsky, Don Morocco, Greg the Hammer Valentine, the Junkyard Dog, Brutus Beefcake, Billy Jack Haynes, Kemp Patera, Demolition, Killer Khan, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Harley Race, and Ricky Steamboat. So that's a load it battle royal and then i'll read you the rest of the card besides those two battle royals that card also featured ron bass against jerry allen danny spivey versus ivan putsky don morocco versus hercules dino bravo and greg valentine versus junkyard dog and brutus beefcake billy jack haynes versus demolition smash demolition axe versus kempatera Jake Ross versus Killer Khan and Ted DiBiase versus Ricky Steamboat. Man, what a stacked card that was with those matches and those two battle royals. Listen, here's what I love about that. The names that you read are like, like they're the bread and butter of, of wrestling at this point. Like those names are the headline names. Not only did you get to see them all in a battle royal, but as you read the single matches, they were all listed there too. So you got to see these guys wrestle twice, once in a singles match or a tag match, and then again in a battle royal to close the show. How cool is that that you got to see 
Jake Roberts wrestled twice. Savage wrestled oh, yeah. twice. As you a know? kid, that's as a kid, seeing your favorites more than once is awesome, you know. But insane, yeah, this, this yeah. show, this, this show was really, really, and I, I'm pretty sure Jay, they might have. I don't want to say they did this around the loop, this Legends Battle Royal. I, I, I know, I'm pretty sure it was in more places than just the Meadowlands. I'm, I'm curious to see if they, they did a loop with, with two Battle Royals you know, headlining a show. But yeah, the, the point is, you know, Battle Royals were a main event back in the 80s. It was a big deal. It was special. It was, it was just, you know, obviously it, it they went and made it bigger with the Royal Rumble. And gosh, I mean, Royal Rumble. I mean, we we look forward to like. I don't get excited for many things in wrestling anymore, Jay. It just it just. I'm an '80s and nine in '90s guy as far as wrestling goes. Um, but when a Royal Rumble, even to this day, a Royal Rumble, you know, which Royal Rumble Sunday, I, I get excited for it, man. I that's one thing that I never miss is is watching a Royal Rumble or you know, obviously WrestleMania or SummerSlam, the the the, the real big ones, the big four. But the Royal Rumble I actually get excited about because, you know, they have that concept of a, a surprise factor in there as well. And, you know, sometimes they hit, sometimes they miss. But every year when it's time for the Royal Rumble, regardless, you're still excited. And I'm sure that everyone listening to this or the majority of everyone listening to this feels the same way. Uh, even though, you know, they could have let you down the year before where you thought it was going to be a huge surprise. Number 30 turns out to be a dud. The following year, you're still excited because it's the Royal Rumble because it's a big, big match, and you know that that evolved from a battle royal, so it, it's just huge, uh, huge part of the wrestling, the history of wrestling in a battle royal. Well, let's talk briefly about the difference between the Royal Rumble and a battle royal. Obviously, the main difference is in a battle royal, all the competitors, all the wrestlers, all start in the ring at the same time in the beginning and a Royal rumble, two guys start and then every roughly 90 seconds, another wrestler joins. Now, when it comes to just a straight battle Royal, there is something very cool about seeing 15, 20 of your favorite superstars standing in the ring, waiting for that bell to arrive. Now the downfall is you don't have the surprise factor of who's coming out next, which is what the big, selling point of the Royal Rumble is, is that unknown factor. From a fan's perspective, Tommy, does it matter to you which one you're watching, if it's all 20 starting at the same time, or if you're, you're seeing the one come in every 90 seconds? Obviously, both of them are able to play out drama in a different way, but just your personal preference, what do you like to see in this type of match? Yeah, look, it's it's like you said, it's completely different. It's a completely different style. It's a completely different concept. I I prefer the Royal Rumble style. I I I love seeing the uh, I love seeing the surprise factor or the you know just not knowing who's going to come out next. Uh, I I I I prefer the Royal Rumble style. Uh, I, that doesn't mean I don't love our traditional battle royal. That you know we grew up on them, but as it evolved, I, I think that you know. I, I, I think that the Royal Rumble is much more exciting. You can you can tell a much better story. Uh, a storyline can can drag out can continuously throughout the entire match because of the element of of having a different guy come in every minute. For me, for me, it's a, a battle royals. The old traditional battle royals are fantastic, and we we grew up watching them. But to me, there's there's no comparison to a Royal Rumble. 
from a fan's perspective, I would agree with you that the Royal Rumble structure is more enjoyable to watch because one, it's a longer match, tends to be a longer match. The storytelling is a lot better because you have more ring space, you have more drama to see who's coming and the crowd reacts. And so it just creates a different story. Now I will say there in the history of like wrestling photographs, when you look back, there is something about seeing that full ring, especially when you think back to like WrestleMania two's battle Royal, when you see all these big guys just crowding this ring. And yet you see like Andre, the giant's head standing above everyone else. There's just something very cool about that visually. Now, usually in a battle Royal, you get a, a handful of eliminations early on so that you can create that space in the ring and better tell that story. But if you're talking from a fan's perspective, what's going to keep you glued to the TV? What's going to keep your interest peaked? What's going to keep the storyline flowing? The Royal Rumble format seems to feed that better. But let's talk about that battle royal from WrestleMania 2. Maybe one of, maybe the most famous battle royal of all time. Tommy, what are your thoughts or memories when we mention that specific battle royal? Oh man, that battle royal is definitely one up there as one of the the most famous ones of all time. I mean, WrestleMania 2, those early WrestleManias, you know, you remember everything in those WrestleManias uh, from you know, who wrestled who and, and, and what the finishes were and the special celebrities that were there. Like, for me anyway, I, like the first eight or nine WrestleManias, I could tell you pretty much every match, uh, what what the big matches were and the storylines and the celebrities. Just, you just you're, The early ones, you just remember everything. And one of the, you know, the, the big things of WrestleMania 2, uh, other than, you know, being three different, cities and you know Hogan and Bundy in the cage one of the biggest selling points of that entire show was that battle royal and uh it, it was it was awesome and 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 seeing the NFL players in that battle royal with the WWE guys was just super cool and i just pulled up the list of the names that were in that battle royal and it included NFL players Jimbo, Coverett, Bill Fralick, Russ Francis, Ernie Holmes, Harvey Martin, and William the Refrigerator Perry. Now, at this time, man, 1986, these are gigantic, gigantic stars in football. It would be like in 2021, like picking like the top, like, well, I'm saying, I don't say they're the top, top players, but they were in the top some of these guys were in the top 20 players in the whole league at the time. So imagine picking, you know, some of the top 20 players in the NFL in 2021 and, and throwing them in a battle Royal out of WrestleMania. How huge would that be? How big would that be? How, I mean, NFL is, I mean, NFL has always been popular, but I mean, it's, in my opinion, it's far with social media and, and what have you, it's far more popular now than it was in 1986. Can you imagine taking some of the top NFL players that are currently playing and putting them in a battle royal at WrestleMania? How big would that be? It would be huge. I mean, you think of the news that when Rob Gronkowski got involved in wrestling for that short stint, 
You saw that on ESPN. You saw that on, on uh, mainstream news channels. So if you had a crossover, the size of WrestleMania two with that many NFL football players coming into a, a, like a, a WrestleMania now, it would be huge. It would be all over social media. It'd be all over ESPN. Um, you think about like every once in a while they bring in an athlete, whether it be Tyson or, or Shaquille O'Neal or uh, Dennis Rodman, and it always, always gets mainstream attention. And so that's one of the things that makes Vince McMahon special is he understands that. And so he'll, he'll look for those crossover opportunities. But if you had how many, how many NFL players were in that battle royal that you named? Uh, six. If you brought six well-known NFL current players into the next Royal Rumble, that would be, it would be all over the place. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. So yeah, it was that, that factor alone made it a huge concept. And then you, you mix them in with the WWF stars and, and, and those guys included Andre the Giant, Ted Arcini, Tony Atlas, the Hart Foundation, the Killer Bees, Hillbilly Jim, the Iron Sheik, King Tunga, Pedro Morales, Bruno Sammartino. It was unique having Bruno in there. Yeah, he was a legend at, at that point. Yep. Danny Spivey and Big John Studd. So there's a lot of moving parts in this battle royal. Let, let's, let's go right at it, Jay. So you have a 20-man battle royal featuring six NFL stars. You have the living legend, Bruno Sammartino, in that battle royal. You have Andre the Giant in that battle royal. Uh, it, just, it just makes it's, – it's a, it's a recipe for success. It's, it's a recipe for success visually – seeing all these people in the ring at one time is just like, you couldn't believe what you were seeing. And then when that bell rings and they start going at each other, you have the unknown factor of how the NFL players will, where they'd be able to hold their own. What will they do against uh, pro wrestlers? You've got huge guys. You've got athletic guys. You've got current stars. You've got legends. It was just an awesome mix of talent. It was a spectacle. It was a special attraction. And then I, I'm such a huge fan of the finish of this. And before we talk about the finish, visually, I just want to know. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're not looking at a picture right now, but if you are, you can pretend you're not. Do you remember what color tights the Heart Foundation were wearing at WrestleMania 2? Black and blue. Black and blue, baby. I love it. Do you remember what color trunks and boots the eighth wonder of the world, Andre was rocking that night. Yellow. Yellow. I just, it's, it's just so different from what they're known uh, here, for wearing that visually I love it. Let me tell you something. Now here, here's the thing. This is how, and this is, I'm so happy you just said that, Jed, that you just asked me those two questions because that was 1986. How the hell do I remember what, <laughs> what color tights Andre the Giant was wearing in a match 1986 in Harvard? Because it meant something, this battle royal. And you look back at it and you remember that. If you were to tell me, if you were to ask me 20 years from now, God forbid, hopefully I'm still alive, uh, what tights, you know, uh, Mojo Riley wore at his, the, the <laughs> battle royal he won at WrestleMania, I would have no fucking idea. I right? can't tell you that. But the fact that I remember this from 1986 just yeah. goes to show you how important something like that was back then. Per, I'm yeah, so happy that you asked me. 
That's a very good point, man. You, yeah. The fact that not only do you remember these these matches, these cards, these wrestlers, but yeah, you can picture what they were wearing. That does speak to how special the product was at that time. Absolutely, um, man. Absolutely. And this is back when, yeah, Andre the Giant, man. You're trying to get that man over the top rope, both feet to hit the floor. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. And so that was the other challenge of the battle row. If you had a guy like Andre in it, the battle was, how do you even go about trying to get him over? And so I love that it came down. You had both members of the Hart Foundation in the ring, so they could kind of work together. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Andre is going to be the winner of a battle royal. Yep, and he, he actually won uh, the battle royal last, eliminating Bret Hart. So, I mean, Bret Hart obviously went on to have a unbelievable career. He can look back and say that, you know, at WrestleMania 2, it was down to me and Andre. I mean, that's that sounds crazy in itself, just hearing Bret the Hitman Hart and Andre the Giant in the in the same ring, in the same match. Man, It, it, it did happen. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's another piece of history right there as well. That might be my all-time favorite battle royal, probably because it took place at a WrestleMania. So it's on the biggest stage of them all. It's got the the crossover from the NFL. It's got – there's so many just classic 80s stars in that thing that it's hard to, to hate on it. Um, but there have been other amazing battle royals. There's been amazing Royal Rumbles. You got to see those two live that you talked about. There's this one at WrestleMania 2. Are there any other battle royals – in general that you remember fondly, or are there moments and certain ones that really stand out in your mind, Tommy? Absolutely. One of them for the, the match itself that I remember and also what happened in the match was the 20 man battle Royal on Saturday night's main event before WrestleMania three. And I can still picture it like it was yesterday, Jay, and I'm sure you could as well. The visual of Hulk Hogan, and Andre the Giant looking at each other face to face in that battle royal, and all the wrestlers are standing back away from them, just looking at what's going to happen next between Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan. When you've never seen that before in the history of a battle royal, where everyone just steps back and goes, whoa, and just everyone gets out of the two guys' way. And man, if that visual right there, didn't sell WrestleMania three. I don't know what did. I like the fact that you, you spoke about how the other wrestlers, they kind of cling to the ropes. They kind of like go to the outside of the, the inside of the ring, you know, against the ropes, against the turnbuckles. And you have Hogan and Andre, they kind of clear a little path for these guys and they're staring at each other. And as fans, we're wondering what's going to happen. But the fact that the other wrestlers in the match, have the same look on their faces, like what's going to happen, man, you talk about storytelling. You talk about setting a moment aside to push a storyline, to sell your next big event. We talked about how it's tough to, to have a good storyline inside a crowded ring, but this time they executed it perfectly. And like you said, that's an image that sticks in your mind because it made it real, not just for us fans, but it made it real that you saw the other competitors kind of have the same reaction as fans, that nobody knew how this thing was going to shake out. 
And so the fact that they carved time out to have that little moment, that was awesome. And I'll tell you who was in that. Yeah, you're right, Jay, it was. And just to tell you who was in that 20-man battle rail. Now, this, this was right before. Let me, look at the, let me look at the date on this real quick, Jay. Uh, wow. This is, this is actually only two weeks before WrestleMania three. Two weeks on national TV. And wow, that, I didn't realize it was that close to WrestleMania. So this is a really, this is like the last minute hook to get you. I mean, they didn't need to give you a last minute hook. I mean, they did that storyline so perfectly. You were hooked the second he ripped off Hulk Hogan's shirt and cross. But I mean, two weeks prior to WrestleMania three, and then you had these guys, you know, in that battle royal about to go at it. And then that, that was, that was, that was it. That was the selling point, the final selling point anyway. And Hillbilly Jim, Ron Bass, Sika, the Islanders, Leaping Lanny Poffo, Hercules, the Natural Butch Reed, Paul Orndorff, Billy Jack Haynes, Coco Beware, Nikolai Volkov, Black Jack Mulligan, Demolition, the Hunky Tuckman, and the Killer Bees all in that battle royal, all stepping back, all making room for Hulk Hogan and Andre to go face-to-face and about to collide. That's, that's money, man. That is money. Now, who I, I I should remember this, but who won that one? Do you know? Who won it? A let's see. I'm, the final four are now set. It's Hercules, Billy Jack Haynes, Smash and Coco. Haynes makes the save for Coco, but Hercules is able to dump him after that. Hercules and Smash double team Haynes, who come back and take out Smash. Hercules and Haynes start brawling until Heenan jumps up on the apron. Haynes chases in him away, but that allows Hercules to eliminate him and win the Battle Royal in 11 minutes, 16 seconds. Hercules, the winner of that Battle Royal. Hercules goes over at the Battle Royal. Now, clearly, this is a case where the winner of that is not as important as that moment between Hogan and Andre. But what a nice win for Hercules. What a big time. I mean, that's primetime TV right there. That's a big, big win. You figure at that point, they had to have plans. And, and, and I, I know that Hercules went on to work some house shows with Hogan. Uh, that might have been, the, you know, the idea of after Andre, maybe some of the, you know, when, when he's on the road doing the, the loop, Hercules could be opponent for Hogan. Because obviously, they were building Hercules up to give him a big win like that. Because there's a lot of eyes on national TV and Saturday Night's made event back then, a lot of eyes. And then to do that big angle with Hogan and Andre in that match, uh, and then to give Hercules the win, yeah, they, they definitely, definitely, definitely 100 That's a very good point, because at this time in the, in the landscape of the World Wrestling Federation, that Saturday Night main event, they use that to, to push storylines, to make stars. And so you're right. If they had him slate it as winning – that battle royal, they probably were planning to, to strap, a, strap a rocket to him and give him one heck of a push. Um, and at this point in the World Wrestling Federation, we don't, I mean, we don't have to go on about Hercules, but he's a solid talent. He's got a good look. He probably could have done real well around the loop working with top guys at that time. Oh, absolutely, man. And no, we, we could stand him for a minute because he's someone that I think is grossly underrated as far as the contributions he gave to the the product at that time. I mean, he was a household name himself. You know, it, uh, he was great as a heel and even better as a babyface because the fans were behind them pretty good. So I think Hercules, 
had a fantastic run in the WWF. And yeah, it was nice to see him get that big win in that match. One of my uh, things as a, as a child, I loved the chain with Hercules. Oh, yeah. Like I know we saw the chain with JYD, but Hercules, man, it just fit that character so well when he would come to the ring and it's just the heavy, thick chain draped around his neck. Uh, I love that look. I love that aesthetic. Uh, big fan of that, yeah. Absolutely, man. And then, and then I guess the other battle royal uh, that you know, there's time. We can also talk about NWA, the bunkhouse stampedes they had. They were they were phenomenal as well. But as you know by now, me and Jay are WWF kids growing up, so we're a little biased. But just want to make mention that the the NWA. Uh, AWA, WCCW, they all did uh, great battle royals in the past themselves. So like I said, the, the concept of the battle royal with Andre Touring as the top attraction was long before his WWF run. So I just want to make point of that. But uh, one other battle royal that I want to make mention of that I, I re- remember very, very well was, again, because you said it was a WrestleMania battle royal, was WrestleMania 4's battle royal that was won by Bad News Brown after turning on Bret Hart at the end of the match, which led to the beginning of Bret Hart's babyface run in the company. And obviously, you know, he would go on to have a, a huge career. So again, Bret Hart, uh, a big part of the Battle Royal concept, WrestleMania two being the last guy with Andre. Now, two years later, WrestleMania four, He's in there last two guys with Bad News Brown, but the angle is uh, done to turn Brett babyface. And uh, that, that battle royal was another one that I remember very well. That, that's a fantastic one. That's the one with the big, giant, three- or four-tier tall trophy that plays a part in that end storyline. Now, I love it when we talk overrated, underrated with Tommy Fierro, Mr. 80s Wrestling. And you mentioned that Hercules, in your opinion, underrated. You mentioned Bad News Brown. Now, here's a guy who had an interesting spot in the wrestling landscape at this time. So I got to know, in Mr. Wrestling, Tommy Fierro's mind, where does Bad News Brown rank? Is he overrated, underrated, properly rated? What's your take on Bad News? Grossly underrated. Grossly underrated. I think that Bad News Brown was an absolutely phenomenal heel. I loved his character in the WWF. I loved when he had the the uh, sewer rats with him, doing that whole thing with the Harlem rats, whatever they were. I, I thought that he was great. I think that they could have did a lot more with him than they did. I think that he, he, was, he was up there as one of the top heels in the company or in wrestling at that time. He... At some points in his WWF run, it seemed almost like he was not really a main card guy. He was, I don't want to use the word jobber, but he seemed like this. He was in this weird spot where sometimes he would be showcased very well, high on a card, like you said, with the rats. He'd be showcased very well. Other times he seemed like he was kind of a forgotten thing. What do you think prevented him from just hitting that, top level in the World Wrestling Federation. I don't know, man. Uh I I, I thought I thought he was great. I, I, I really, really do. Um I guess at that time the, the 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 best answer I can give you, Jay, is that was the Hulk Hogan that was the Hulk Hogan machine back then. That was the Hulk Hogan train. 
and that train was driving a long time, and and every stop was a different hill that Hulk Hogan had to go past uh, to get to the next one. So at that point, their concept was, you know, because again, remember the belts didn't change hands like it did in today's wrestling. Back then, it was once a year or even even more so sometimes. So uh, at at that point, the format was more of you know, just feed Hogan, feed Hogan, feed Hogan, feed Hogan. And as great as Bad News Brown was as a performer, uh, you know, he was just on that, you know, feed Hogan train ride and and him and a ton of other guys. But that was that was the formula back then. So uh, I guess when I look back on it now, actually, you know, knowing the business and understanding it a lot better than I did back then. Um, well, I didn't back then. I was a kid. But looking at it now from a business standpoint, you know, yeah, Bad News was was great, and and so was this guy, and so was that guy. But that wasn't the formula back then in the '80s. The formula was Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, and you can't fault them for that. They made a lot of money with it. So I guess he just fell on the line of you know feeding Hulk Hogan to the next guy. You know, you know that's a really good point, Tommy. And as fans, as kids, we didn't recognize that they were feeding Hogan these guys. And we didn't give a second thought to, well, what happens to these guys after they're done with their spot with Hogan? And a lot of the guys were able to go on and have great careers after being a main event spot with Hogan. But yeah, a lot of them, once they were done with Hogan, you're right. They kind of floated around the mid-card area and didn't really have a storyline to jump into. And you're probably right about bad news that he kind of fell into that latter category where after he, they used him for what, what they, they saw for him, and then they maybe didn't have something next for him. And so he kind of floated around, and then when they needed somebody to fit a spot, they could tap him on the shoulders and fit him in there. But going back to that WrestleMania four battle royal with Bret Hart, what a fantastic way to turn him face and give him the start to his singles run. And I think, if I remember it right, you're at a point in Bret Hart's career where fans really want to cheer him. And so I think the World Wrestling Federation had no find a way to turn him and give him a push as a singles. Because of the two, I mean, I love Neidhart, but of the two, he's clearly the one that had superstar status. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. And, and, and you know, that was a great way to do it because, you know, Bad News Brown was uh, uh, had some heat on him at the time. So, one, it was a good way to shine up Bad News to get him ready for Hogan. And, two, it was a great way to, you know, have the fans sympathize with Bret Hart and, and turn him. So, yeah, I, 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 it was a very uh, – another one. You want to – Jay, you want to – if you have it pulled up, if you want to read the participants that were in that battle royal, um, just, you know – Anyone that, that's listening right now that might not know off the top of their head who was in that. Uh, I know that the Young Stallions are in that battle royal. So it, it's funny if you do your WrestleMania history and if you don't know it extremely well, if you said, hey, was Jim Powers or Paul Roma? Uh, well, Paul Roma was with Power and Glory. Was Jim Powers ever in a, a WrestleMania? I, if you didn't really, really know, you would say, no way. He was in, he was in there. So, and there's a couple other guys in there as well that might have been their only WrestleMania, right, Jay? Well, the the participants included. Well, I could stop after the first one, man. I think Boris Zukov is written on there. <laughs> that, that, yeah, Boris Zukov. Right. And then yeah, from my list, I see Brian Blair, Danny Davis, George the Animal. We got Harley Race, Hillbilly Jim, 
Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. That's a heck of a nickname. We got Jim Powers, Nikolai <laughs> Volkov, Ken Patera, Junkyard Dog. I mean, the list goes on and on. This is a time when you really didn't have an unknown person on the card or in a battle royal. Every once in a while now in the Royal Rumble, you'll kind of scratch your head and say, I don't, I don't remember who that guy is. But at this time, it's all guys you're used to seeing on TV, and you really don't know who's going to come out on top. And so it's, it's always a fun match on the card. Now, Tommy, I, I want to, we could probably have an episode about the rules of pro wrestling that have come and gone. And to be honest with you, if you ask me what certain rules exist today in the world of wrestling, I would be hard pressed to give you a straight answer. But back here at this time, oh, throwing somebody over the top rope, you could not do in a one-on-one matchup, but here you could do it. Uh, in a Royal Rumble. It's my assumption that that over-the-top rope rule has gone away because I see people getting thrown over the top rope all the time. This is an off-topic tangent. This is a side trail. This could be a whole nother show. But what's your take on pro wrestling, even though it's entertainment, having rules that, uh, that the referees have to uphold? And now, this might be kind of a lead-in, but I know you have a fantasy booking opportunity with a referee who abides by and holds wrestlers to the rules and how that could play out. But what's your thought in general on rules in professional wrestling? I think that it's something that's uh, very sorely missed. I think that's something that uh, made the matches, even though you know they're predetermined, even back then, it made them seem more real because there are rules. If a referee was pushed, that's it, man. That's a disqualification. Nowadays, you can see fucking, excuse my language, you see something get DDT'd and the, the match, a referee gets DDT'd and put through a table and the, the match still goes on, you know, and another ref comes out. I mean, back then, I, I think that the, the referee meant so much more in a match than they do now. Uh, I think that's a, a big part of it is because, um, and, and this is something that you talk about fantasy booking, something that I would do, Jay, would be if, you know, if, if I got the, the book for WWE, what I would do is I would take some retired, not even retired, but this guys that may not even be doing anymore uh, that are, are, you know, they're not in the business or, or, or wrestling anymore and, and have them as, as referees to, to make the matches and regular referees, not just for one match, like have them be the officials and it would give the referee position more credibility. And with that wrestler having that credibility, I think that it would mean more the rules in a match if it was a referee that, one, the fans respect it, two, who they knew, three, even more so, who they cared about. Um, so you could take a guy, and I'm just using these names off the top of my head, um, just, you know, it doesn't have to be these guys, but I'm just I'm just mentioning for as an example. Just say Hardcore Holly came back as a, with a job at WWE as a as a referee. He gets hired as a referee. Fans remember Hardcore Holly. Fans know his history. If he's in there and he's counting a five for a break at four and a half, you better break, or else you know that you know, you know what I'm saying. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? It does make sense. And if if you think about any other, and I know wrestling is entertainment, but if you look at any other sports, if any athlete would lay a hand on the official, whether it be NFL, Major League Baseball, basketball, 
can you imagine the the outcry and, and the fines and the suspensions that would take place? I think you're right. I think the fact that the referee really, like you said, they get pushed, they get slammed, they get punched, and it's no big deal. The match goes on. We're back in the 80s, man. If you, yeah, if you laid a hand on a referee, the bell was rung, match was over. It was a great way to get heat for people. It was a great way to save face and not have to have somebody get beat cleanly in the ring. And so there's so many opportunities you have if the referee's position is respected and if the wrestlers have to listen to what they say and, and respect their decisions. And I think you're right. If you put a little bit of that respect and importance back on the referee's position with somebody like a hardcore Holly who won is not going to get knocked out at the slightest bump, but could hold his own. I think you're right. I think it, it would bring some of that meaning back to the referee position, and it would also allow for some storylines. You know what, Jay? I think that a light bulb just went off in my head as we're talking about this topic. I think next week's episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast, should be 80s Wrestling Referees. What do you say? Let's do it, man, because not only were they great referees, but they were great enough to get their own action figures, man. Oh, yeah. Let's not, let's not talk any more about it. Let's save everything for next week. So next week right here on 80s Wrestling the Podcast, we're going to talk all about 80s wrestling referees. That's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, because we can talk about specific individuals. We can talk about angles. We can talk about just what that role looked like and what it meant to the world of wrestling at that time. And we can nice. hear Tom drop a few more F-bombs as he gets riled up about what's wrong with today's <laughs> refereeing. That's funny. Yeah, However, that's man, I, can always tell, I can always tell when we hit a nerve or when we hit something that you're just like, man, this ain't right. I love it. No, because back, dude, back then, you wouldn't see that shit. You wouldn't see these wrestling referees. Week, brother. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to roll right into next week's episode. I love it. <laughs> yeah, let's jump right into it, brother. Let's, let's jump a right double episode, it. dude. Listen, we're going to save that. That's going to be a great topic for next week. Obviously, you have a lot to talk about that. What's that? We we, we have a lot to talk about with the referee. We have a lot to talk about that. We're rounding the corner on today's conversation. We're leaning into next week's already. Tommy, we only got about five minutes left of today's episode. Is there any final thoughts on Battle Royals coming from Mr. 80s Wrestling himself? Just that I wish it was still a huge attraction and meant something like it did when we were kids. And like I mentioned on last week's episode, it's hard to do that when they, you know, up the ante so much with all the different, you know, gimmick matches, you know, with, with a Royal Rumble. And then, like I said, like a, a still cage match doesn't still cage match doesn't mean as much as it did because they upped the ante with an elimination chamber, a hell in the cell. So I mean, I understand that the Royal, and, and I feel the same way. I, I, I think the Royal Rumble is, is more exciting than a battle Royal. And obviously it takes away a lot of the battle Royals uh, steam because it's, it's definitely one upping the concept, but I wish that a regular traditional battle Royal still meant something and I still think there's a way that it could mean something if you tell the story right. Like, for example, you could still make money on a battle royal. You know, you could do something where you have a future pay-per-view and you have 
advertised a 20-man over-the-top-rope battle royal, and the winner gets a world heavyweight title shot later that night on the pay-per-view. And now you, you could tell a story that certain guys that are in this battle royal never get opportunities for a world title match, whether it be guys like Cesaro or, or, or I'm just going to say, for example, or, or, or different guys lower on the card or Damian Priest or, or this guy or this guy, like that now have a chance to go on to get a world title match on a pay-per-view. You know, they can, they can build that story up for weeks where they could film vignettes of these guys either training in the gym or, or, you know, walking on a hike and talking about the importance of how big this battle royal is for their career, because if they win it, they're going to main event a pay-per-view for the world title. So if you told the story the right way and built it up the right way, it can definitely still mean something. So if they want to send me a contract in the mill now to be the head writer, start it. No, I'm like, <laughs> I think I think Tommy having the book for a year would be an amazing thing to see what happens in the world of wrestling, Tommy. Never say never, dude. Never say never. Well, that rounds out our conversation for Battle Royals. Next week, we're talking about referees. But this Saturday, live at the Wrestling Collector, Beauties and the Beast. Is that right? It's Saturday, correct? Yes, sir. This Saturday at the Wrestling Collector, Stockholm, New Jersey, 2 to 5 p.m. Come meet Dan, the B7 UFC legend, along with Summer Ray and the former Emma, all 2 to 5 p.m. this Saturday. And then this Monday, the return of Monday Night Virtual with Dean Malenko, the man of a thousand holds, this Monday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Watch it live on our Facebook page. Facebook.com backslash 80s wrestling picks, P I C S, and you can order your photos on 80s wrestling con.com. Now, select the photo you want, tune in this Monday night, watch Dean Malenko sign your photo for you, give you a shout out, and then we'll ship it out to you after the event. Jay, fantastic conversation today. Really, really enjoyed talking about Battle Royals, and next week, We'll be talking about 80s wrestling referees. It'll be a very, very interesting topic. I'm going to tell you a personal story about a referee that I met, and it was the first time I ever met anyone in the wrestling business was a referee, and I'll talk about that next week right here on the show. But until then, man, hope you have a great weekend. I hope you listeners out there have a great weekend. Hope to see some of you guys at the Wrestling Collector this Saturday. And, Again, be sure to tune in this Monday night. Monday Night Virtual returns with Dean Malenko. Bolshevik's rule! I think that's the end of the show, Tom. I just wanted to shout that out. (laughs) That was awesome, man. We'll catch everybody next week right here on 80s Wrestling. The podcast.